2: Hello and welcome to this Patreon-exclusive episode of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Packham, who is with me.
1: Hello, my name is Matt.
2: And I'm Joe. Thanks very much for joining us. If you're listening to this, that means you've contributed to our Patreon campaign, which uh, we thank you for. Um, you're helping us keep the show going. Uh, you're helping us buy the lovely dark chocolate digestives that are sat on the Aww. desk here. All right. Um, and this rather expensive Dragonfly Roybosch tea. Oh, I just got an Earl Grey. Uh, well, we are indeed money. Um, so uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. We're gonna we had like loads and loads of questions this week that didn't make it into the regular podcast. So Many. we're just gonna uh, sit in, and go through those. Really, some interesting topics, um, some cool stuff that people are asking, and some stuff where I think it's going to be super informative um, this one I actually don't know the question to this because I think that some things you have don't changed you the question to this I, I don't know the question I don't know the answer to this question um, because it's been a while since I've kind of been involved in this but Corey asks could you clear up the difference between 58, 59, 60s necks in terms of the 2015 range I own a traditional and have played the others I'm sure it's been uh covered before but i get confused also what would be classed as an epiphone lesbos what would an epiphone lesbos standard neck be classed as um matt knight you uh, probably have the most uh, day-to-day interactions with the 2015 range yeah none of them are really if we're talking about the standard 2015s they're not really 58 59 or 60s are they
1: no, no so I they're think... all
0: really wide
2: They're
1: yeah. all like seven string yeah, well, they're all the same neck. width but the actual curve of the back of the neck is different depending on the model that you go for so like the traditional they call the XL neck so well rounded and sort of sloppy but the width is the same so the width will be the same on the studio uh, it's just that they put like a, a, a different neck curve on um, between 58, 59 and 60 as you go up in years on custom ranges they generally get slimmer Um because I suppose really he's listing three different types of necks. He's listing a traditional custom shop style neck, uh, i.e., fifty eight, fifty nine, then standard 2015s, and then an Epiphone. But then Epiphones are like a different neck shape in their own right altogether. I suppose that with Epiphones, they're just going for a traditional rounded profile, but it's not necessarily like a custom profile neck. I, I suppose they that, were just a bit 60s. The Epiphone ones. Yeah. I I suppose the thing is, is that, you know, they want to keep traditional neck profiles on custom shops only because they want people who want a custom shop to go out and who want those neck profiles to go out and buy a custom shop. Whereas if you want something similar, you go out and buy a traditional. And if you don't have that much sort of money, you go out and buy like uh, an Epiphone Les Paul Standard, which will give you the next closest thing. Um it's, but it's Epiphone, difficult because with necks they're all so different, aren't they? On
2: the Epiphone, I guess they've just gone for generic Les Paul neck. It's like yeah, a chunky neck one. mahogany neck. Um, whereas, like you say, when you get to the custom shop, they get more specific. And the way that they're branding the 2015 range and the way they're designing it is they're, they're not classic. You know, even though there's a model called the traditional and there's a model called the classic still. Is there still a classic in the 2015 range?
1: Um, um, so it's LPM Studio uh, Deluxe Traditional Standard. Right. Okay. Um, get the less. What's
2: in there. The less pool. Yeah. Um, but they're, um, they're. Oh, and
1: got the, the junior, the double cut, and the less pool. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So they're. Um, they're basically saying these guitars have the 2015 neck. It's a modern neck that's different to things that we've done in the past this is where we feel the direction of let's pull neck should be going um, so yeah they're not really comparable really they're they're flat and wide I guess
1: hmm. so sorry. yeah I, I suppose it's yeah it's it's they're all they're all that same sort of like I say they're all that same sort of width but it's just the actual what they call the profile the, the back of the neck that, that is different oh and they do do a classic um, I completely forgot about that of course they do that's the cheap it's slightly cheaper than the deluxes yeah um, neck profile on those yeah is the slim taper like the 60s neck profile Um, and then on the standard I think they just put like a rounded profile if I remember correctly Um, what do they call that one yeah slim slim taper uh, asymmetrical so slightly rounded more on the treble side so,
2: Cole says, What's your opinion on drive pedal order? I have a Dodd Preamp 250, an Ibanez TS9DX, a Mojo Mojo, and an SD1. What order would you would you put them in? Also, where would you put an EQ pedal, uh, Boss G7, in your chain? Great pedal. My other pedals are the drives mentioned above, the CH1 Chorus, a Hall of Fame, flashback delay, and a Viscous Vibe. Uh, I mostly use the EQ for a mid-boost. So, um, basically, where i mean let's they're speaking kind of um sort of generic terms here because we could get bogged down in cole's uh, specifics of his pedal board um so drive pedals i guess the wisdom is like lowest gain to highest gain is that yeah, right yeah yeah,
0: exactly because it's, yeah. it's those well, like, that are sort of closer to being a preamp are going to go yeah. first so um mm. the tube screamers obviously the first one there well I'd, I'd put the eq pedal before anything else
2: i'd put the dod no the Dodd preamp, I would say, would be the oh, first sorry, one. Oh, sorry, I, in I that, missed that. In the that Dodd chain. preamp,
0: yeah. The preamp, then the EQ, and then the... Then the Mojo Mojo, then the SD1. Then the Tube Screamer, sorry. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. The yeah. Mo- and then the Mojo Mojo, and then the SD1. I, I, I think was the Mojo actually, Mojo yeah. and SD1 you could have either way around. I, in fact, yeah. don't know why you have both on your board. They're really similar things. For,
1: yeah, for me, yeah I, it's weird, because there's, there's, obviously there, there was a really quite interesting article from Pete Cornish who's was actually like no if I'm going to do a pedal board I actually put that completely the opposite way around because as you go from lightest to most heaviest gain all you're doing is stacking drive on top of drive so you get the same sound just more distortion whereas if you go the other way around every time you stack a distortion pedal the lighter drives sound slightly diff- will, will kind of add a different tonal characteristic to the more heavy distortions that's an interesting idea. Um, yeah um, and I've, I've recently got I've got three quite different drive pedals that I've just been, like, kind of been experimenting with the order, and actually putting something like a Soul Food, for example, at the end or in between two kind of heavy drives works really well because then you've got almost a boost for a heavy drive, but then you've also got a gain boost for the next one in the chain. Um, but uh, a lot of the time, heck, going lightest to mo- most distorted is the most, I suppose, basic way of doing it.
2: What do we um, what do we think on the EQ? Uh, Joe seems to think in the front of the chain. Is that right?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. I'd have it before the no, drive I'd say so it, if you're using right it as a end. mid boost. What
1: you saying, Matt? I go at the end. Um, Joe's Joe's right. If you're using it as like a mid boost or something, that having it right at the front would make a would make a big difference.
2: I guess it depends on whether you want to shape the inputs. To your pedal board, or whether you want to shape—I think he said he wanted it as a mid boost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just in general, like saying if we're talking more generally, like it's whether you want to shape the sound going into your pedal board, or whether you want to shape the sound coming out out the other end. Yeah. Um, And a lot of people will put it in the effects loop and use an EQ pedal rather than the amp's EQ. They leave the amp EQ flat and then use that um, to actually change the EQ of the the final product, as it were. so yeah, it all depends really. But yeah, mid boost definitely put it in the front. Or if you're using it just as a volume boost, which we've kind of recommended quite a, a few times. Yeah. Um, I guess front of the chain for that. Uh yeah, yeah of yeah. Course. Put it before everything else. Yeah. Um. So what should we do next? Okay. Uh, this is one that I've not I have no insight on at all because I've not actually seen one in the wild. Sean says the trio. What am I missing? I know several people that have got them and rave about them. Got one yesterday, and I'm just not getting how it's any improvement over just downloading backing tracks. Um, have you either of you two
0: uh, tried one yet? The Digitech Trio. I mean, I, I haven't tried one, but I have witnessed one being tried in in the flesh, as such. I mean, I'm not a guitarist myself. So I'm, I'm what used to. That sounded like an excuse trio? in court. Oh yeah, I've not yeah. tried <laughs> one, but I have witnessed one being tried. <laughs> <laughs> So pedal
1: dogging, pogging. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm, the, I'm the same. I have maybe I should see if I can plug one in and, and maybe give my account on it uh, next week. But yeah, I've, I don't know because all the video I, when I, I first saw so the plug, I was like yeah it's just i don't, I, I, don't know. I
0: don't get what it's given i i like i i know it's it's the idea of a backing track that can work around your playing and stuff like that yeah that that's cool i i guess and i understand if it's it's kind of a replacement for people if you you know if you yeah. want to have a jam and so as maybe a learning tool it's slightly more dynamic than backing tracks i don't know if i'd want to pay that i don't know how much they how
1: much they cost uh, they're like 150 quid. I don't like, know if I want to pay 150
0: quid for something when it is so similar to backing tracks which you can get for free off of YouTube. You know, I, Shh, I, I don't yeah, know. It's naughty. Yeah, I, I just don't know if 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 I'd want to invest that sort of money in the trio. I mean, I must be missing something as um as is was it Sean? Yeah, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, um as is Sean. We must be mi- missing something mate because they are they are Sold out in all the UK yeah. guitar shops. Every uh, time they get some in, they just go straight out the door. It, it's like that other product,
1: the Beat Buddy. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen just the drum machine. Yeah. Um, and I've seen some pretty good demos of that where you've actually got like different fills and things like that. And it, it seems really good, but I'm just thinking, almost wouldn't it be a little bit just limited? Because the, the dynamic of the whole performance and what the trio gives you is just going to be a bit sort of flat. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I just don't know. I, I really... I'm, I, I think I'm in the same boat as as Joe said. It's just, like, I must be missing something. I just probably just need to plug one in and, and have a go, really.
2: For me, I think the trio... The trio is definitely more appealing than the Beat Buddy because the way I would use it is, like, OK, I want to write a song or work on a part or something, um, and I don't necessarily have time to sit down and programme drums. Um, like... At the moment i'm kind of gearing up to do some more music and do a new album and stuff um and all the songs are like written the thing i can't bring myself to do before i like meet up with the band is program some drum tracks and stuff i just can't get the energy to do it so the trio for me if i could just play my guitar and then it basically fills in the rest for me that's completely ideal i'd never use it for performance i understand why people would you know if you're playing in like a restaurant or like
0: you're just doing even like, a busking tool for instrumental buskers it's quite completely useful.
2: yeah because it means mm. you don't have to like sit and program any backing tracks but you can tailor them to what you want obviously if you're just downloading backing tracks then they are upset whereas the trio like works around your playing basically so i can see the point of it but for me it's like do I want to spend 150 quid on the fact that I'm lazy to not program any drums, and
0: I'll probably end up getting worse results? Like yeah. it definitely won't do exactly what I want it to do. It's going to take you a long time to make back that money busking.
2: Well, I won't be doing any busking. No, yeah. I'll be you know jetting around the world, playing sold out arenas. Of course. Uh, no, I won't. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the truth is, it's an interesting thing. I think as a kind of first attempt, it's actually worked out quite well. Because normally we, we get these things. We see a video of it, uh, for example, the uh, Miku pedal, and we're like, that is going to be amazing game changer, um, And then sometimes, maybe in the case of the Miku, things don't quite work out as we, uh, we planned. but the trio so far, yeah. people who are into it seem to be really into it, like it functions very, very well indeed, which is quite yeah. it's, it's quite technically difficult, I guess, like to build like a um, like a workstation you know, for making backing tracks and stuff in a guitar pedal and it's generating it itself. It seems pretty incredible, 150 quid actually. Yeah. Um, but not to everyone's taste. So, um, Gavin asks, if you could meet any guitarist, alive or dead, and ask them one question, even to get their secret tone combination or string
0: gauge, what would it be? Joe Branton. Oh, no, no, no. Go to Matt Knight. You always go to Matt
1: Knight. Oh, no, don't go to me. I don't know. Oh, I didn't read this um, question. I can't even see actually, it actually, i tell you what. I reckon George Harrison, like late sixties era Beatles, when he had that wicked uh wicked beard and then just be like, just sit down in Abbey Road and just like just play guitar with him and just like just be like, yeah, you're the best. You're the actual best.
2: He uh he's pretty cool around that time, isn't he?
1: Yeah. Just you know, there's just something about the like when you see him playing that strat and you're just like, Man, I just, it would have just been so cool To just Just meet him And be like Because we're, we, we, were you working um, When that time A friend of mine bought in um, The fretless guitar That was given to him By George Harrison
2: uh, No and but even I though d- your guitar, I did play it I happened to just Swing by the shop At that point And uh, you were like You've got to see this It's amazing
1: Sorry You cut out a bit then Mark.
2: <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah no, I was just saying That you popped in And said like Oh you've got to play This guitar It's, it's absolutely amazing yeah
1: it's just like it's the weirdest electric but you're just playing it going this was george harrison's guitar this is just like amazing um yeah i think that's you know that's just thinking off the top of my head i think maybe i've had a bit more time to think about it, i could think of a specific question but george harrison definitely a good one yeah
0: that's pretty good it's tougher for me because most of my base heroes are still alive yeah well, he says alive or dead oh does he yeah oh so oh i, I mean yours is that. Beat Billy Sheehan, wouldn't it? Oh, right. I was but trying to think. What question would people. you ask him? Um, oh, I don't know. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. What is the meaning of think, life? I don't think there's a an, an individual, like a single question um, that I'd want to ask them. Just, you know, I just want to chill out. Maybe comb his hair for him. Do you know what? I probably wouldn't have uh, Billy Sheehan because I probably can meet Billy Sheehan at some point. You could ask him a question about Xenu. Um, it should be someone I could.
1: Oh, is he a Scientologist? Yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. I,
0: I could have. Um, I could. I could ask him. Um, no, what was I going to? I could probably pick someone who you know I wasn't probably going to meet, like John Paul Jones. Well, Jack Bruce is dead. Yeah, he's one of my big heroes. I have no idea what I want to ask them. Probably something about you know their tone, how Jack Bruce managed to make bass sound absolutely perfect, no matter what he was playing. Whether it was a fretless Warwick, uh, a Gibson EBO, or a Fender Bass 6. Just made it all sound... Yeah. ...rocking. Or, um, what was that signature? Jack Bruce had... No, 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 not Jack Bruce. You were thinking that you were going to mention that court, and that's John Paul Jones. No, no, no. The really? uh,
2: Jack Bruce, the Warwick... Oh. Um, um, Jack Bruce signature. Uh, it was It was like a thumb, wasn't it? But it was fretless. No, there was two. There was one that was like a thumb, and there was one that was like a... Uh, 335 base,
0: but it was like oh. twice as thick, and it had big yeah. humbucking pickups. you sure you're thinking of Jack Bruce? Because I know who has a signature Warwick like that. It's, so, uh, say a name. Uh, it's oh, sorry. It was Jack Bruce. I'm sure. it? Okay, I, I was just going to say because it's got a uh, survivor uh, that, base, which is like a
1: fretless SG with two humbuckers.
0: Yeah, that. I mean, that's very Jack Bruce. Um, uh, Guy Pratt had um, a a hollow Warwick sort of 335 style thing. Right. Uh, He had a signature model like that, and they look quite similar as fellas. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, Relatively. I've
2: never met Carl Pratt. Yeah, he's cool.
0: Really cool. Great bass player. Has has one of the um, prototype uh, concentric control jazz basses. Yes, he does. The blue one, right? No, no, no. No, that one's (laughs) Sunburst. He also has a... um, a burgundy mist jazz bass That's the one also I'm concentric of. and it's one of the only it's one of like 10 burgundy mist concentric control jazz bases in existence but he also has a sunburst like original prototype jazz bass that was a gift a wedding gift from um what's his name from pink floyd roger waters no the one whose daughter died married david gilmore david gilmore thank you right um i'd quite like
2: To meet a guitar player called John Jughead Pearson, who uh, was the original guitar player in Screeching Weasel, who are probably my favourite band ever, uh, up there with the Beatles for me. Um, and I would like to ask him. Um, he has a really weird tone. Like my what, probably my favourite album ever is this album called My Brain Hurts by Screeching Weasel, and it has got this really weird. It's like super early nineties. I think it's ninety two um it's got this weird like 80s punk rock guitar sound but it's super melodic um it's kind of rubbish in a really good way and i always kind of like that about guitar players so i've been listening to a lot of um like the replacements this week do you guys know are you familiar with the replacements mm,
1: no <laughs>
2: okay um and what i'll tell you what i watched that movie adventureland this week have you seen that movie
1: uh yeah. no you've the seen it
2: yeah, yeah, it's a really good movie, um, but the soundtrack's really good. It's set in, like, 1987, I think, um, and there's loads of guitar stuff on there, and it's, like, stuff from, like, The Cure, who I don't normally like, um, but there's, like, stuff from The Replacements, and there's some Who's Du on there, um, and all the guitar playing has that kind of quality to it. It's, like, a bit rubbish, but also really good and of the time, and, like, weirdly, there's I think there's loads of chorus going on because it's the 80s. Um, yeah. But when you put chorus, like, in an aggressive setting sometimes it really works really well um and yeah i'd kind of like to speak to jughead about his guitar tone at the time i almost bought his like iconic guitar came up for sale on ebay but it was like what, his one oh, was his, it
1: that west tone thunder or yeah something? it was a west
2: tone thunder that was used to record my favorite album ever but it ended up going for like more than a thousand dollars and i pff, i can't afford that that would be and it didn't work it was just like it was just a broken guitar basically uh, I couldn't justify that oh well um, let's do a couple more questions uh,
0: please do the last one
2: okay what the one from Paul yeah yeah okay Paul says Ibanez guitars always loved the RG Star guitars but hated the wizard neck it's way too thin for my liking do any, any of the low end RGs have anything close to a fender neck um, preferably their hardtail version uh, and what do we know about the RG Go range
0: Joe uh, Brenton. well, I was only going to um answer that I was hoping Matt Knight could also contribute but i, I certainly don't don't know any in the uh low a, the low range the sort of RGO side of things um, they all tend to be wizard type necks There is only one um because this is uh, this is not an uncommon complaint, and um there's only one r g that has a big proper neck and it's uh it's it's closer to kind of like a no caster neck than anything else and it's um, ah, I've forgotten his name it's a signature model the guy has fake F-holes Uh, Paul Gilbert Paul Gilbert yeah his new because he also oh the fireman no not the yeah. fireman it's an RG he's since the fireman really? he's now got a new RG out I did not know that yeah um, I went up to um, Headstock uh, who who are the UK distributor for Ibanez uh, with my friend Joss and he was trying out uh, a load of Ibanez guitars there, and nearly on the day, straight up bought the the Paul Gilbert. Really? Singe. The only reason he didn't was because the fake f holes are ridiculous. <laughs> no, they're amazing. No, Everything they're about Paul Gilbert is amazing. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. Paul Gilbert is the best one, but uh, mainly because ah. he was in a band with yeah. Billy Sheehan. But yeah, the neck on it is absolutely incredible. Absolutely massive neck. Oh,
1: nice it's like an RG
0: them. with a Les Paul neck. It's brilliant. We uh, in PGM eighty. Hey, that's what it's called.
2: I've
1: just checked it out. Catchy. It, it looks amazing.
2: I'm into yeah. it. Yeah. I'm going to have a look, definitely. Um, quite often in the office that I work in now, um, we listen to Burning Organ, which is a Paul Gilbert album that is absolutely amazing. It's got the, uh, the opening track, I Like Rock, is quite a banger. That
0: is a great title. That's pure Paul Gilbert right there.
2: The lyrics are, I like rock, the music will never stop, give me electric shock i like rock oh yes i want to play guitar every day yes i want to play guitar
0: every day those are profound he's it amazing it's so good
2: so so good um any other options you can think of matt do ibanez do any other kind of fatter guitars and what are your opinions on the geo stuff
1: um the geo stuff's all right i i personally would say You know, they're they're okay guitars. I think they're about 189 quid. So if you want that sort of style of guitar, but you don't want to spend a lot of money, you know, they're great. But if you kind of want something that's a little bit more playable, you want the wizard style neck, you know, if you want an Ibanez for less money, then going up to some of the cheaper RGs that are just below the premium. So like the the 350s, um, I think they're like 369. They're definitely the best value for money. Um, In terms of other guitars they do with a fatter neck, aren't there is it like the road core series they do like the offset style ones yeah it's more
0: traditional looking Um, guitars so if you're after that sort of super strat 80s look then you won't get it there but mm -hmm. yeah you get more traditional necks on those more traditional looking ibanez's
1: yeah but um i I am really into this paul Gill guitar, strat trend three dimazios chunky neck and that just looks amazing and I love RGs it's cool. as it's well. Like a, it's a
0: natural cool. wood finish. Um with oh, um, amazing. Why with, didn't they do it? Why didn't ethos? they do it in green
1: with the pink pickups?
0: Oh yeah, I know that would have been great. But it is still a, an absolutely brilliant guitar. Sounds amazing and, and plays amazing. How much uh, as well? I think I thought they were about six hundred. Uh, I, I can't remember.
1: I, yeah, they're a premium, so they're not the um, super expensive ones. Um, they're not I prestige. Know. Know. I think they're going
0: to be about eight hundred quid. Oh, really? Oh, that so. much? Oh, blimey! But yeah, they're, but they're still a, an yeah. absolutely brilliant guitar and a great investment. I mean, if you want a cheap RG, they do do. Um, they do a, do. They do do. They do do. Um, a a a an RG with a leopard print scratch plate now, right at the entry <laughs> level. It's black with a, a leopard print scratch plate. What is not to love about that? And that's I think sub two hundred quid. That's one of the GOs, isn't it? That's a GRG, I think. Yeah, yeah
2: sweet stuff mm. let's do one more question um and i have some very specific thoughts on this but i want to hear what you guys say first um, this is from james james says do you believe the quality of today's guitars eg fender gibson etc and
0: basses is lacking oh i'm glad you picked that one actually i saw that one earlier yeah that would be a, a good
2: um let's just get your thoughts on it matt
0: um your thoughts,
2: your thoughts. let's get your thoughts, thoughts. On it, matt. it's like a thought fart um matt can you give us a thought fart on this question (laughs)
1: um yeah i mean without going on for ages and ages i would say i think the quality of guitar building is better but i suppose that there is the guitars in general market-wide are so much more diluted that some cheaper brands out there maybe drag other brands down in terms of people in in people's mind they th- oh you know guitars were never as good as they used to be because maybe they're not as handcrafted but I've played some old guitars and they've been absolutely terrible and I've played some old guitars like the uh, ES330 i played today and they've, they've been amazing um, but I've played some modern guitars like custom shops uh, and even like some cheaper range guitars for like a couple of hundred quid like some of the Squires that are just incredible Um, so I don't know it seems to be a common thing at the moment people are like oh no guitars today She's not very good but I mean I've played a lot of guitars that have come out in the last few years and uh, the majority of them have been excellent
0: this is the thing I thought was quite weird about the question obviously as as you've confirmed there um, it's uh, this is very much worded as if um, you know guitars today are worse which I, well, I just thought it was odd because I always thought it was a given that guitars today are obviously better. That's why Fender Custom Shop exists. That's why we spend two and a half grand on a new guitar that's made to look old because the guitars that actually are old look great but are rubbish. And uh, I, I mean, yeah, I think, of course, build quality is much better today. You can even see build quality progressing over the last 20 years or so from if if you were to take... The state of Squire as a manufacturer twenty years ago to now, and, and look at how the, the the vintage modified series and classic vibe series are, are sort of really upping the game for entry level instruments. And you look at companies like Ibanez and what they're doing with interesting woods like Jatoba and Babinga and Avanco and stuff like that that we, we just didn't see on old guitars. And especially if even if you if you leave the sort of major manufacturers for uh, for a bit and and look at companies like strandberg um and uh, and even some of the really the the, the really micro brands like acg or, or let's mm. and people like that and that i just think yeah the quality that's coming out today is absolutely amazing i mean there's a reason there weren't eight string guitars you know 50 years ago it's because they couldn't work out how to make them
2: yeah so Here's my thoughts on it, and they're very specific, and I'm going to mention some brands in particular. Um, so I I started working in guitar shops in the early 2000s, like 2000... Well, so the first time I worked in a guitar shop was like 1999. Um, and so just a quick overview of like... Hold on, we were 15 in 1999. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did my work experience in oh 1999. God. Um, and... Uh, So, yeah, the state of where the brands were. So, Fender was flailing around. They were about to discontinue the American standards, uh, or what was called the standard Strat at the time. Um, So, those guitars didn't have rolled fretboard edges. They had pretty bad pickups in there. Um, They didn't have decent colours. The range was kind of all over the place. They were doing things like the Big Apple Strat... um, And like some other weird stuff, Lone Stars and things like that, or, you know, loads of weird stuff. Um, Since then, they, uh, so discontinued American Standards, moved to American Series, which introduced rolled fretboard edges. Um, Then uh, they had the American Standards, which introduced things like two-point trim, which we can, I think we agree is like kind of a better way of doing trim. And then since then, they've now put custom shop pickups in the American Standards, the finishes have got a lot better. The playability's got a lot better. Um, just build quality in general, I think, in Fender has got a lot better. Um, there's been some blips, I think, like when they were doing uh, like the bases that where you had to have S1 switches and things like that. It was yeah. kind of a bit of a mistake. Um, but you know, if you get an American P base now, it's awesome. Um, whereas you know, some of the stuff you play from like the mid to late nineties is pretty bad. Um, and so that was Fender but that
0: sort of time period uh, Brought some great stuff as well Because I think Compound radius Completely Also came out of the 90s Totally
2: Totally um, So That's where Fender were at uh, Where Gibson were at um, The stuff that was coming Into this country Wasn't very good uh, In the sort of like mid well right up until the kind of early 2000s I guess they had a huge jump in quality in 2002 um, and then again in 2008 when they they messed around with the standards a little bit Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean if you compare a Les Paul now just if we're talking strictly like build quality and the kind of Quality of just general quality of the stuff available. It is way be- better than when it was when I started, um, and you know even twenty years ago. Um, you know whether it's as good as a fifty-eight, fifty-nine, sixty is kind of irrelevant, really, because you can't get those guitars. What you could get is a nineties Les Paul, and I would strongly advise you to buy something from the last maybe ten years over something from the nineties. So Gibson, I think, have had huge improvements. I think those guitars are way better than they were. 15 20 years ago someone like let's look at another major manufacturer like jackson when i started the jacksons that we were getting in were basically like balsa wood they were terrible um (laughs) they were just terrible guitars like really really bad cheap guitars now even the cheap jacksons are amazing you know fender have come in and sorted that brand out completely you know hooked up with some great artists sorted the designs out sorted the pickups out um, the Reasonable price points. They're like way better than they were doing, again, 15, 20 years ago. Same with Gretsch. You know, Fender. Yeah, oh, Gretsch. What a, say, what a Gretsch
0: turnaround.
2: You, just... you know, Fender bought them at a time when the, the quality was really bad. Uh, you know, if you look at a mid-90s Gretsch, it's just really poor. They look great because they've got like the thinnest sliver of like maple cap on there uh, like really highly flamed maple so the way you can generally tell like a 90s is from a distance it looks amazing and then you get up close and it's like wait you know how like flame maple moves under the light like it doesn't move at all it just is like well it could almost be just like a picture like a photo flame it's a laminate yeah it is. could just be like a laminate you know um yeah, so Fender took that brand and, you know, introduced things like the Electromatics and made Gretsch available to everyone, and but really up the quality on the, uh, on the American stuff. Oh, the, sorry, the Japanese stuff. Um, but yeah, I could do this with like hundreds of
0: different brands, really. You could do it with m- most brands, I yeah. think, re- realistically, from where they were, especially if we consider... I mean, it's difficult because if we talk about the 50s and the 60s, yes, there were some amazing hand-built instruments, but there is a gap... In most guitar brands, after the mid seventies,
2: yeah, completely. And, and
0: there is, I mean, but there are some companies like Ibanez, for example. Obviously, their the RGs that came out in the eighties were amazing, but but I, I mean, they're the same now. They're yeah. exactly the same. Yeah, but but generally across most brands, I avoid the anything that's past maybe eighty five to. 2007
2: yeah 2005 like the p-base that i've got on the les paul junior that i've got yeah are both uh 2003 oh, right. um okay. and so the junior is post basically when gibson sorted themselves out in 2002 and it's also part of the american series which is when fender introduced rolled fretboard edges and like better frets and better build quality in general so like 2002 2003 is when the big two kind of sorted themselves out basically yeah um but yeah so it's you know you see it all over forums like oh quality issues and stuff like that actually if you compared them to the guitars that you can get that you could get 20 years ago which are still like affordable you know there's no point comparing a modern p bass to a 61 p bass because it's not the same thing you know you can't money-wise, they're nowhere near each other. uh, But compare it to something that is still affordable, like an 80s onwards, it's better than anything else that's available.
0: Yeah, definitely. So there we go. Uh, No, that was quite ranty, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, but that was good. I liked that. We we need to do a podcast on something that we all disagree on soon. Yeah. I think that'd be good. Joe Branton's moustache. My moustache is trimmed at the moment. (laughs) It's the shortest it's ever been. Yeah, still too long. Only because I'm growing it back and I needed to start from like ground zero. Oh. Oh, yeah, no. I think with
2: that, we should <laughs> maybe call this a, a night. Thanks very much for listening to this Patreon exclusive episode. Um, by uh, contributing, you are helping us out, helping us buy digestive biscuits. Oh, 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 before go on, we go,
0: go, I was on. thinking about doing a joke per Patreon episode. Is this a good idea? Yeah. You have just said the words ground zero. No. Nah yeah I didn't that. Uh, yeah I, I'm gonna go for like good clean jokes puns they're always gonna be puns guitar okay. related <clears throat> well this one isn't but okay. I'll, I'll make the next week's <laughs> guitar related
2: okay well um, so thanks very much for listening um, yeah you just catch us in all the normal places um, Matt do you wanna say bye before Joe does his joke
1: goodbye and I hope you enjoy Joe's terrible joke
2: yeah thanks for listening um, I'll leave you with this
0: you can't run through a campsite, you can only ran because it's past tense.